Hi, I'm Dr. Tri to Trite's Clinic, and today I'm just going to talk to you about 10 great food trends perhaps you might be uh, interested in trying. So, from about 2013 to now, there's been uh, just some emerging foods, di different things that have been uh, showing up um, from the reinvention of, let's say, the cheeseburger and what goes into it, um, elaborate wine tasting and pairing. Food has become a way to express yourself and, of course, your palate. The uh, problem is food... Uh, sizes or what fills the plate has become increasingly more and more. Of course there's the problem of uh, food additives and things that go in and hijack your hormones but it doesn't help that you know we might have uh, you know let's say at Thanksgiving one or two plates plates of food or that uh, when somebody brings out a plate at a restaurant that it should really be for two or three people. But that said uh, you, there are ways to get around this. Uh, you can either share a, a plate with uh, with someone. Uh, not only that would reduce your uh, calorie intake, but it also reduce the, um, the cost of your pocketbook. So, I prefer. I actually like to have uh, burgers, but well, what what do you do if you can't have the bun? So, one of the first things we do is um, I try to take the bun out of the equation. A lot of people choose gluten free buns. There are two options with gluten-free buns that um, may not may or may not be healthy. Number one, uh, if you're gluten intolerant, just something that's gluten-free is 20 parts per billion is to be labeled gluten-free. There is no test that says that if you're 20 parts per billion or less, that this still won't cause an immune response. So I just say avoid it. The other thing is, if you're a restaurant and you have a gluten-free bun and it's really gluten-free and they, they haven't added anything to it to try to keep it healthy, cardboard may be a better option. It's, it's just not uh, palatable. It's not, not very good. So you say, oh, well, I, I found a gluten-free bun that, that's, that's pretty good. Well, what we found um, when they do taste worth a darn is that they have introduced sugar into it especially if it's uh, not completely flat bread. And the reason I say this is gluten is pretty sticky. It keeps everything together, helps everything rise, and so does sugar. So if you take out the gluten and you add the sugar, it still looks like you know something that's edible. So keep that in mind. So uh, I suggest you add lettuce or uh, just have them bring it out on a plate and you use a fork and a knife and cut it up. Some, uh, some restaurants bring smaller size sliders and uh, new toppings and sauces. Uh, just make sure that the new toppings and sauces don't have high fructose corn syrup or, or something that's an additive that's going to be uh, inflammatory to your body. Um, there are a few restaurants in this area that have gourmet burgers, um, and they're actually, in, you know, gourmet burgers are now in, in, in four star restaurants, which is kind of funny, is that never happened before, but it does now. And, and they could be smart. They could load them with uh, shiitake mushrooms or uh, a particular type of cheese that has uh, uh, low yeast count and, and, and the, the uh, casing protein is, is really pretty much eaten out out of it. So they're, they're actually kind of healthy for you. When it comes to meat, we want to stay away from foods that are, especially meats, that are antibiotic. If they have anything that's, that's grass-fed, antibiotic-free, free-range, um, you're in better shape. So if you take two cattle or two bison or, you know, we could even go further with any other animal and you feed them grain, they create pro-inflammatory fats. 
which is typically the omega-6. But if you let them have grass-fed, they typically produce omega-3 fats, which is anti-inflammatory. So ideally, when it comes to uh, the meat, uh, I'll ask a few questions. Where do you get your meat from? What is it? Um, how do they raise it? Um, ideally, antibiotic-free, free-range, grass-fed, um, and then uh, we skip the bun. So wine flights have become pretty popular. We see wine sampling, wine toasting, uh, from red wines to white wines, even champagne tasting. So why Pinot Noir, Chardonnays, and Cabernet Sauvignon are the most popular uh, varieties of this, uh, keep in mind that red wine actually has a benefit to you. The uh, champagne and, uh, and, and white wine tend to have a little bit more sugar content. So if you have a sugar problem, this is, this is not good. But um, for men, uh, once you get past two glasses of wine, and, and, and I'll be specific with a glass of wine. A glass of wine is, is um, classified as about four ounces. So you could have a one big glass or about four ounces of wine. And women, uh, it's, it's pretty much maxed out at four ounces for you. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, once you get past that, then the, uh, the benefits of the resveratrol that's in wine uh, start to degrade with the sugar content and the, uh, the alcohol. So if you need to cook with oil, we thought that olive oil is, is a better option than, let's say, butter. Of course it is. But what's the best oil to cook with? Right now, coconut oil is the best, hands down. The reason this is, is it has a great source of saturated fats. It lowers the risk of heart disease and obesity. Well, that's pretty good stuff. Coconut oil also improves thyroid and cell function, so it makes it a powerful replacement for butter or canola oil. So it does take a little while to get used to. Um, some people love it, and some people are like, eh, I don't know about that. But um, I kind of sprinkle it in here and there for a transition period so that uh, everybody can accept it. Um, Coconut oil can be found in pretty much any restaurant. Ideally, you want to get the raw. Again, it's a little bit cleaner. And we use it as a substitute for even our olive oil now and even sautéing vegetables. So when it comes to meat, again, we talked about the antibiotic-free, grass-fed, uh, and this could be bison elk or even venison if they're on there. Always asking for where they got it from. Anything that's like, let's say, uh, let's go to salmon, for instance or tilapia, which I don't think there's any in the world that aren't farm-raised anymore. Uh, when you have a farm-raised fish, they typically feed them pellets of protein. And that protein is usually pellets of soy. Um, and it's, there, there's, there's different types of soy, but there's a good soy and a bad soy. Typically, these are the cheaper ones, which actually are an omega-6. So these fish that should be high in omega-3s, especially the salmon being a cold-water fish, start producing omega-6s. So this, the thought that um, omega or um, salmon are good for you end up not being so good for you because they're they're eating a pellet that's not out there. They're not allowed to eat the krill. They're not allowed to eat the um, the uh, the small fish they actually go and naturally eat. So it ends up being um, not healthy for you all. And I, I I just don't think that there's any such thing as a non-farm raised tilapia. So keep that in mind if you just love tilapia uh, fish. So unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So uh, popcorn has become increasingly popular that we have seen in the office. Uh, keep in mind that high fructose corn syrup is made from corn. And uh, the last one I saw, which was um, is fairly comical, 
at the uh, the grocery store with something called skinny popcorn. Anything to put skinny in front of, I start, uh, I, I go read. So corn creates an inflammatory pathway. So it really doesn't matter if you, what you, what you put on it. If you put nothing on it, it's still an inflammatory pathway. And so uh, corn is used, in, of course, in cereals. It's used in snacks. It's used as a vegetable. Um, and, uh, you know, and from a popcorn standpoint, they'll make some gourmet corn for you. Um, the idea that uh, unsalted popcorn is technically healthy as an alternative to chips and cookies, um, maybe. Maybe. Uh, none of them are good for you. Uh, popcorn is now made with uh, coconut oil instead of olive oil uh, or peanut oil. So that it's trying to look like, uh, oh, you know, we've taken this out and we've taken this out. But uh, to keep in mind, it's still inflammatory. Corn is inflammatory to humans. It's the way it is. That's why we, uh, you know, the, the taste of a, a corn-finished, grain-finished uh, steak is phenomenal, but we all know it's not good for you. It's, it's just not. There's such a thing called hush, hush dining, which, you know, food trucks might show up and they were popular, um, but they may not be licensed to operate. Uh, they should have a sign that's in there that they do have a license, uh, that they are... Um, not serving you something that could uh, get you pretty sick. And, and of course, these t typical businesses are word of mouth. They post on social media. They post on Twitter. Here's where we're going to be. Here's what we're doing. Um, there are a few food trucks in town that actually have become a restaurant. So um, they could be good, and somebody could have a great idea. But again, those those people were licensed to be here, and they... Um, they went through all the proper channels. So those are, those are things to always ask. A good food truck will have a website and where you can get all the information. That means that they're kind of, that they're out there to the public, um, that they, they understand that they're uh, getting graded or that they could uh, have a, an inquiry on them. So keep that in mind. Uh, you can always hire an executive chef. I don't recommend it. I don't know how much that costs. I'm guessing that it's not cheap. So, um, if an executive chef uh, gets to your to your house, awesome. But what I'm suggesting with that is there are cooking classes where uh, an executive chef will, let's say, uh, how to cook naturally, how to cook organic, how to cook now gluten free, and where you can uh, take a class and get into their kitchen and learn how to prepare their most popular dishes, and hopefully their popular dishes and desserts follow along your uh, palate. So look around for those; they're out there. Um, brunch has become a fairly important meal of the weekend, and uh, it is a it's a little bit more, more common. So if you are having brunch, again, make sure we start out with water in the morning before our coffee, if you need to have coffee, and don't go nuts with uh, French toast and, uh, and uh, your Bloody Mary bars and mimosas. Make sure that we're still having protein, but now you can start to, to blend it in. Let's say you have a gourmet omelet. You can start blending in your, your vegetables because you're getting, you're getting a combination and we need to get vitamins, protein, minerals uh, all together at, at one setting. So be aware that uh, you know, you're a little bit hungrier at brunch. So most people go for the, the sugary foods because that's what their brain's telling them. So their body's telling them. So if you have to wait that long, you know, go with the protein again. So tea consumption has become more popular in the United States. I mean, we haven't caught up to, to Britain by any means, but it's no longer a beverage. I mean, just uh, 
you'll see it at, at the stores. Uh, most of the coffee shops carry it as well now as well. But um, keep in mind that if you're really going to make a good tea and you're going to use the benefit of that tea or whatever you've researched that, you know, this brand has this research that says that it does this, for the most part, that has to do with steeping the tea. They will actually leave it in a teapot for about 10 minutes to steep it after the steam has come through, and then they drink it. So if you just run it through, uh, uh, I'll just throw the name brand out here, and let's say a Keurig, hot water goes on top of the tea, you let it sit for a couple minutes, it has a flavor to it, you're just getting the flavor of the tea, or you're not necessarily getting the benefit of it. I see. I have seen a lot of um, Asian comfort foods pop up in the... Um, um, over the last probably five or ten years, keep in mind that anything that's fried that says Asian fried food isn't really Asian at all. That's uh, that's Americanized Asian. For the most part, steamed vegetables, rice, chicken, um, some fish. Uh, that's a typical Asian menu. That's why they have the benefits that we don't. When we start uh, frying them in, um, you know, canola oil, buttering them battering them, uh, deep fat frying them, you know, put cheese in some um, breading and uh, call it a uh, crab rangoon isn't exactly uh, healthy. So keep that in mind. Uh, the, the literature has now said that, um, and this is unfortunate because I actually do like it, that there is very little rice that is uncontaminated throughout the throughout the world it's not just uh, local it's not just in asia it's it's throughout the world it has to do with how it's uh, manufactured so uh we have chosen not to eat rice uh, it was a very big staple in my life it helped me get through all my uh, my distance running because it was a uh, easy to get and easy to digest and, and off i go but uh, keep that in mind uh, rice is becoming ever contaminated and no longer is, is healthy for you. So the bottom line is, the food trends today are thinking outside the box. What can you think of to entertain yourself? Keep your palate in check. Uh, if you have children, make sure that that, uh, that they're able to get a healthy option, but it's a healthy option that they also eat. And one of the things you can do to sabotage that, or I, I see grandparents do it, or uh, allowing them to make decisions when they're a little bit younger on their own, is giving them sugary foods or high fructose corn syrup foods. You know, a grandparent might come over and say, oh, it won't hurt to have one or two. I'm, I'm the grandparent. It's okay. No, that really isn't okay. It changes their palate. And when their palate desires this particular food, by the way, high fructose corn syrup is addictive. That's what they want. Um, you can have children that crave vegetables. I know it's crazy. But we see it. We see it in, on, in the office. We see it when we, we get them away from those foods and their body wants what the body needs as opposed to what the hormones have taken over and said because they have now chemical signals to the brain that say they want something that everybody knows they shouldn't have anyway. So don't set them up for failure. I'm Dr. Alan Trites with Trites Clinic. Be well.